Hey, welcome back to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church podcast, where we have conversations about leadership, we get behind the scenes of church life, and we dig into what it looks like to follow Jesus as we find our way together. Please join me in welcoming our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Uh, get to sit down today with uh, one of our longtime members of our board of elders, Joan Hyatt, to chat about a whole bunch of stuff that's been going on uh, in our community as of late. So Joan, uh, welcome back. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for being here Thanks again today. Thanks for having me. Uh, do you want to give us a quick update on how your world's going these days before we dive into all the stuff we get to get, to get into? Mm, sure. Um, probably most recently, the biggest deal in my life is that I got to retire from 49 years of work. And uh, I'm practicing being retired. And that's included some really fun travel. I got to do a cruise earlier and got to spend some time away with Dick. So that was terrific. And it sounds like in the next couple of days, you're heading out again for more travel. Yeah. Yeah, I'm headed to BC. Um, that's not as much fun. My mom passed away in October, so I have to go help do some stuff with her estate. But I get to see my siblings and the nibblings, um, which is my term for nieces and nephews. And that'll be fun. What's been the best part about being retired so far? Or have you been too distracted by traveling to really reflect on that? You know what I keep saying to people, ask me about retirement in May, because I feel like I haven't really retired. I'm just having a really prolonged Christmas break and I'm just getting to play. Right, okay. um, and and if that's if that's what retirement looks like, I'm good. Good enough. Well, we're celebrating with you, certainly as a board. We've we've uh, raised a glass to the the work retirement and. Personally, I'll be interested to see how retired you actually remain. You're you're a pretty active, <laughs> pretty active species. So we'll 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 keep an eye on that. That'll be to be continued. Maybe that's another podcast. Um, yeah, for today, we want to get into uh, this this subject that we've talked about a lot around Southridge in recent years, called love beyond belief. And uh, about a month ago, we had uh, a fairly significant milestone as a community, and uh, not only have wanted to celebrate that, but especially internally in an environment like this, give people an opportunity to kind of understand it uh, to a greater degree. And so I, I thought that you'd be helpful to speak to that because you've been part of this really probably from the very beginning. So let, let's start kind of way back when and just get your take, Joan, on how you remember the, the concept of what we called or now referred to as love beyond belief um, emerging? Where did, where did this even come from or start? That's a great question. I think that in order to really understand love beyond belief, we'd have to go back to even pre-Southridge days, those times when we were hanging out at Fairview Louth, which was the church that we started in. I think the seeds of love beyond belief probably started there when a bunch of folks in leadership read a book called The Church of Irresistible Influence. And the big idea, or maybe more importantly, the big question in that book was, if our church up and disappeared, would anybody notice, would it make any difference? And that motivated a whole lot of things that 
goddess to Southridge. And that's, you know, got a whole story behind it that we can talk about another time. But we got here and began to think about ourselves more as a missional church. And, and that we wanted to be a church that included people who had been marginalized, who'd been left out. And so we began to do that with um, things like the shelter here at St. Catherine's, we did it with um, food um, and, and folks who needed support in Welland. We did it with um, the workers in, in Vineland. And somewhere around 2005, we began to look at another marginalized group, um, which would be the LGBTQ plus community. And we began to say, hey, you know, how can we how can we make a difference? So Love Beyond Belief really started, if you will, planted the seeds back in the day and has has grown to begin to include a whole lot of people. And I hope we'll continue to include a whole lot of people in really important ways. Yeah, I really appreciate that framing, uh, especially for maybe newer people to Southridge listening today or leaders outside of Southridge to appreciate that this wasn't just a kind of a rando concept. Actually, it comes out of a history of you're describing it as number one, wanting to become more missional, meaning to understand faith and church as a being and a becoming more of the incarnate love of Jesus, as opposed to faith and church being an event or program that you attend. Um, and, and in that process of being and becoming more of the incarnate love of Jesus, there's, there's a direct relationship with being for those whom Jesus was most for, those whom society overlooked, those whom culture kind of pushed to the fringes or to the margins and, and you know, to, to, to really be about the, the comforting of those most afflicted to the affliction of those most comfortable and really upending yes. what life and faith is, is fundamentally all about. That's all of kind of the underpinnings of where, of where love beyond belief, uh, you know, has, has come from before we began to specifically ad address how we can change the impact that the church, or at least our church, was having uh, in in relation to LGBTQ plus people, and so um, I, I appreciate that background and history for what 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 has led us there, literally for decades, not just in in recent years. Um, I guess at a technical level, Joan, like when we refer to the, the the phrase "love beyond belief," just for clarity, like what do we even mean? What what does that sentence sort of or, or that tagline refer to? Yeah, yeah, because what it doesn't mean is that we don't have beliefs. We hold very clear beliefs um, for a lot of things. And, and certainly to be Christ-centered would be our highest belief that, that we want to hold. But what it does mean is that we make space for differences, what we make space for different opinions, different thoughts, different styles. Um, and that wouldn't just be um, making space for, but also being respectful of and holding 
holding a belief that we can have differing opinions and still be respectful and kind and loving, and that we can still center our lives around Christ. So Jeff, it's not just the LGBTQ+, plus because I think that that would be a concern for me if that's all people saw. It's about understanding that we've, for generations, in church had differing opinions. There's been differing opinions about women in leadership, about infant baptism, about divorce. We've, we've had a changing perspective, maybe a changing theology. I don't know. That might be too big a term, but certainly a changing perspective around things. And, and LG, LGBTQ folks are um, a part of our new kind of look at how do we include people in a really respectful, loving, caring way and understand that for some people that'll be harder than for others, but we can still do it. Yeah, if you haven't been paying attention to Southridge until now and, and are wondering what this, you know, where this kind of phrase came from, whatever, I, I think that the, the, the simplest unpacking is that for years, faith communities made belonging contingent on believing the same things about, well, probably everything, but <laughs> believing the same things about the things that matter to, to you as a community. And what Love Beyond Belief is purposing to do is to say, listen, belonging is not contingent on believing everything the same with everybody else. Belonging is not contingent on believing the same things as everybody else on everything, that there actually is room and not just tolerant room, but embracing, you know, crossing those divides and, and, and really cultivating the unity within, within the diversity of especially thoughts and, and, and convictions. And so it, it, I agree with you, Joan, it's, it's something that that has extended far beyond uh, LGBTQ plus inclusion and even how people understand the biblical definition of marriage, which is how we initially kind of got into this subject. It, we've realized the power of love beyond belief to apply to so many things. So um, we're not going to talk about those other things today because you know, the, the, the recent history uh, that we've been navigating has been with our, with our denomination and uh, trying to navigate this conversation as a denomination. Now, uh, you know, a month or so ago, we had a bit of a, a, a milestone moment. Before we get into that, um, just describe, because I know you were chairing the board at the time and you and I were kind of back and forth with our denomination. What has been the history of the conversation about love beyond belief when it comes to a, a community like ours in relation to a, a denomination like our ONMB family? Yeah, we, um, first of all, let me explain to people that ONMB, because for, for a lot of people, um, those letters don't mean a whole lot. Sometimes we get caught in the language. The Ontario Conference of Mennonite Brethren Churches is a, is a board that provides support to all of the MB churches in Ontario. We met with them Jeff, you'd have to help me with that date. But we met with them probably eight, seven or eight years ago um, to begin to have the conversation with them about what it was that we could be doing that would allow us to stay within the parameters of 
the um, faith and life team that would allow us to stay within the confession of faith. That's a document that OMB has. Um, we met with them and asked that question. And at that time, they gave us very clear parameters around that. Um, and then we went back, had a conversation with leadership, began to talk about how we could include people and stay inside, if you will, the lane that we'd been given. Um, and we did that. And, and, you know, the conversation was that folks could be included to a certain point, and there were restrictions on that. And we started to talk about that in terms of there was still 5% that couldn't happen, including senior leadership and including marriage. Um, we decided in an effort to try and stay in community and kind of do unity and hope that people would be able to join us in our thinking, um, we decided to do that and, and did. Coming out of COVID, we, um, oh, and I should say that there were a number of conversations, a number of very protracted meetings um, with both the Faith and Life team and um, the people who are on staff at OMB so that we could come to those decisions. Coming out of, uh, we're probably not out of COVID, but kind of in this restart season that we're in, we began to realize that maybe we needed to relinquish our privilege as members of the OMB so that we could include the LGBTQ plus community in a, in a better way or in a more meaningful way. So you had some conversations with a guy whose name is Ed Wilms that lots of us know who at the time was the executive director at the ONMB. Um, and in September, you and I and some other folks on staff went to a meeting where we talked about how we would hope to do some of that along with Free Church Toronto. Um, and we actually thought that was a good day. We felt pretty good about coming out of that, having people understand a little bit more about what we think about Love Beyond Belief. Um, within a couple of days, the board made some pretty significant decisions, the OMB board made some pretty significant decisions around um, both terminating Ed's position and his employment and suspending Free Church and Southridge. Um, and that suspension meant that we either had to get back in our lane or we had to run the risk of, of being removed from the convention or the conference. So that's, that's a lot of history. That's a lot of yada, yada, yada. But what I would want people to understand is that we didn't do this lightly. We um, worked hard with folks to, to try and explain and understand, have them understand it. Yeah, I like the, again, the, the history that you're recounting, you know, especially for leaders listening. We've been in an, an ongoing conversation with our uh, denominational affiliation for probably close to a decade where we've wanted to change the impact that our church has had 
uh, in relation to LGBTQ plus people, as has our denomination. Our denomination has done things. They've had events, posture shift experiences, whatever. So it's not that we care about this and our denomination doesn't. They care about this as well. Um, but the, the more that we've navigated this conversation, what we've realized is that as we've sensed a, 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 a desire to navigate this through the power of this love beyond belief framework, that is making things increasingly difficult as a denomination because you know, in the role that our confession of faith plays, belonging is contingent on aligning yourself with, with those specific beliefs. And so uh, uh, unity and diversity around belief that is core to love beyond belief puts us in a position where we're treating confessional issues as more disputable or confessional issues as more of a unity and diversity kind of dynamic. And that's, that's really become the rub that, as you, as you described, kind of felt good in a listening day back in September. And if you haven't listened to Ed Wilms podcast from a week or two ago, you can uh, go back and, and listen to that. He describes that experience personally himself. Um, but it, it, it really created kind of the collision course for are we going to navigate this in a way that is consistently aligned with our denomination's confession of faith? Are we going to navigate this in a love beyond belief way that puts us outside of the, the denominational bandwidth? And so, um, you know, if you haven't recounted the history at the end of the day, about a month ago, uh, we were removed as a member church from our denomination, uh, because we, we, we weren't going to rescind our, our love beyond belief position. Uh, and now, you know, we function as a, essentially a non-denominational independent community church that tries to now relate to our MB family in as unofficial way as, as is possible. So that's sort of where we've landed uh, denominationally. But I know that for us, Joan, that, that milestone of relinquishing that privilege and kind of committing to living out love beyond belief in its more official full capacity was less of a funeral for us and more of a, a celebration in internally. And the, 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 the Sunday after uh, having our membership revoked from our, our, our denomination, uh, we, we did have kind of a, a, a milestone Sunday. I guess, why, from your perspective, was that such a significant marker for our church community and for the people within it? And what was so worth celebrating, uh, not only on that Sunday, but kind of in the season since? What has been so powerful about Love Beyond Belief that we've been celebrating together? Yeah. Um, I... It, I think it got summed up really beautifully um, with a with a comment that was made by Pat Beard at our recent AGM when he said, and this is his quote, I think we need to turn away from defending love beyond belief and begin to proclaim it. Um, I think that we've done a lot of talking about love beyond belief, and we act as best we can in a love beyond belief way. But this is the moment where we get to be that hands and feet of Christ, where we get to fully live out the commandment to love one another 
And I think that that's really very well worth celebrating. We get to invite folks who have felt less than or at least margin, marginalized into a fuller experience of, of our relationship with them, of Christ's relationship with them. So it's, it's an exciting time for lots of things. I just, I, Jody, I'm question. just, yeah. Yeah, well, one question I'd be interested in asking you personally, knowing that love beyond belief, when it comes to LGBTQ plus inclusion, you know, specifically creates full and free and equal space for people who hold convictions on the biblical definition of marriage that are different. Uh, and yep. we're living in the unity and diversity of 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 those different convictions. Um, I, I guess, and I know you're retired now, but I'll say as a therapist or as a, a recently retired therapist, yep. why is that full and free space in a community like ours so significant and so worth celebrating? Well, I think for the folks who would identify in the community, it's an opportunity to be engaged in be fully engaged, not deal with any of the shame, not deal with the judgment, not not feel like they're less than or secondhand. Um, exclusion causes pain and isolation, Jeff, and pain and isolation causes lots of things, not the least of which is depression. And this whole conversation started when back when you had a conversation with a leader in that community who said, we just need to stop the suicides. And for people who don't understand the impact of that isolation, um, the LGBTQ plus community in Ontario, this is a recent statistic, I actually looked it up this morning, has three times as many suicides in their youth and the other piece that's really important to that is that we have folks in our community who have grown up in very traditional church worlds and have the impact that's had on them isn't positive. We want it to be positive, but it hasn't been positive because they're living in one experience and being told that their experience is wrong. And we're going to stop saying that they're wrong or that their experience is wrong or that their identification is wrong. And we're just going to invite them to be a part of us. For, for everybody, it's an opportunity to be more Christ-like. It's an opportunity to love. It's an opportunity to share experience. It's not just a moment. It's an opportunity to live out on a regular basis something that was a simple commandment to love one another. Yeah, I like the the kind of the delineation of the audiences because certainly there's a there's a direct impact that we're intending to have. And I, I appreciate you referring to Ted Radian's comment about you know, wanting to stop the suicides. Like we've been trying to solve a problem since the very beginning on, on this subject. And that is changing the impact that the Christian church has on LGBTQ plus folks. And hopefully being a source of healing, not a source of pain. We want to be a source and of healing and not a source of pain. And we've been a source of pain, Jeff. And people yeah. sometimes don't need to hear that, but it's true. 
Yeah. So, so I mean, there's a huge milestone simply in the way that we can relate to LGBTQ plus folks. You're talking, though, about just the broader church and the ability for our church to demonstrate unity and diversity and the ability of our church to live out Jesus' command to love one another and the, the, the ability of our church to be a place of belonging that isn't contingent on believing. And that has, you know, not just on paper, but in practical lives, that has as much power and as much significance and as much uh, healing impact, never, never mind as much discipling uh, potential as the direct impact of a, a full zenith of love beyond belief framework on on LGBTQ plus folks. So um, it, it, I agree, it, it has been a, a significant moment to celebrate. Um, you, you alluded to Pat Beard's comment of shifting gears, and I think that's really what the what the denominational decision at the end of February did for us is it helped transition us from defending a position of love beyond belief to now being able to unleash it, proclaim it, leverage it, live into the, the, the power of it. You know, so as this kind of settles and we live into this new normal now around Southridge where we're a, a, a love beyond belief church and are, are navigating these kinds of issues in more of a disputable matter framework, I guess, what are you most looking forward to about moving forward in that way? Where, where do you see this love beyond belief framework now that we're living into it? Where do you see it gearing, gaining power and effectiveness, even in other areas in our, in our church family? Yeah, I, when I think about that, I, I look forward to the day that we don't worry about titles or descriptors where we just welcome people to be a part of, where we invite anyone and everyone to share their skills and the gifts that God's given them. Uh, I want to be able to celebrate Christian marriage with people who love each other. Um, I think that there'll be a generation of kids. It's interesting, Jeff, my guys uh, have two sons. Um, my guys and their generation in their kind of late 30s, early 40s, uh, don't understand why this is a big deal at all. They don't get it. And my granddaughter's four, and I would love for, by the time she is her dad's age, to be able to go, oh, that was an interesting history moment, but that it wouldn't be even a concern for them. I, I, I look forward to that day. I look forward to kids in our movers and shakers knowing that everybody gets to be loved, everybody gets to be respected, and that we can have different opinions on different things and still be family together. We often talk about, at the end of our ministry season, raising a glass to what God has done in the way that God has moved and, and, and worked among us. Obviously, we've seen a lot of change kind of this year. Uh, so when we talk about in June, mid-June, end of June, and we're imagining raising a glass to something, what, what, what are you imagining? Are you personally looking forward to raising a glass to in June based on where God's been leading us this year? I will look forward to being able to toast a season where we were brave, where we held to our convictions where we were able to love 
and and be loving. Um, you know, one of the things that people have asked me, and and I don't want to go off on a tangent, but one of the things people have asked me is, "How mad are you at conference?" And I'm like, I can't be that angry at, at the conference because. In Love Beyond Belief, they get to hold a different perspective than I have, and I still need to be respectful and loving of their perspective. But I would love to be able to raise a glass to our change, our movement, our decisions, and that I really do believe Love Beyond Belief is going to move beyond this group of folks and I just love looking into the future for it. When you think about either our Southridge members specifically or other leaders that, that listen and track with these conversations and imagine kind of encouraging them to the future, you know, as we wrap up, Joan, any final kind of encouragements or challenges for people when it comes to living out a vision of love beyond belief now for real? to really be able to live into a relational dynamic where belonging is not contingent on believing the same things about everything all the time, but we're rather embracing the higher ground command to love one another in spite of those differences and foster that unity and diversity. Any final kind of thoughts, challenges, or encouragements to people listening? Um, I, I would want to say that it's not an easy walk, but it's an important walk. I would want to say that, you know, my my prayer, Jeff, would be that we would be in a place where we would see one another with the eyes of Christ, that we would love one another with the heart of Christ, and that we'd recognize that love beyond belief isn't an event or a moment, but it's rather a behavior. It's kind of like inhale, exhale, love and understand and um, put one foot in front of the other and just trust that um, as we keep our eyes on Christ, we'll, we'll get to the place where we love each other better. And that, that, yeah. that's the whole idea. Yeah, I'm really excited to have this conversation even a year from now, two years from now, and kind of be able to check in. And in light of what we hoped God yeah. would do, in light of what we imagined uh, you know, Jesus revealing among us as we become this to, to actually be able to kind of study and archive the, the ways in which uh, we've been grown into the image of Christ, putting them at the center to a, a greater degree. So, hey, uh, thanks for sitting down and sharing a bit of your uh, enthusiasm and some of that history with us. Really appreciate that. Um, we want to wish you all the best on your retirement, even though you haven't really retired yet. You're just having a, an extended Christmas break. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. And uh, to all of you who uh, continue to track with us, appreciate you joining in with us today. We'll see you in about seven days' time as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody. 